Today we begin a two-part discussion on the Copley Woods abduction. We'll start by meeting Bud Hopkins, discuss his credentials, and his investigation into the abductions of Kathy Davis and her family. Unlike most abduction stories we've covered, Kathy seems to have had a life filled with abductions, but she only remembers the beginning or the end of these experiences, filling in the blanks with hypnotic regression. Today, we'll start covering these encounters and also discuss truck stops. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're a fan of UFO abduction stories, stick around and join me in praying that the subject of tonight's story is not subjected by Mike to the same slanderous vitriol that has been so unceremoniously heaped upon the late great Betty Hill on numerous occasions on this award-winning podcast. Lord, hear our prayers. This is Necronomapod. This is the ultimate Copernican revolution because the evidence suggests, beyond any doubt as far as I'm concerned, that uh, we're being visited by some kind of, some form of intelligence which is higher than ours and some kind of technology which is higher than ours and it is able to pick up human beings at will uh, as objects of study, the way we might uh, a lesser species, and uh, diddle with their memories, their ability to recall, uh, physical uh, operations take place which leave physical marks on their bodies. There's uh, an extensive interest in human genetics uh, this seems to be the core of the whole thing. To admit all of those things as possibility, um, as a real possibility, is to be staggered. So we keep it at arm's length conveniently. Ian, it's been a little while since uh, your research fucked up our schedule. It's been a while. Yeah, here we are. Is this the first one of 2022? Yeah. The first, uh, oh, hey guys, I think it's going to be a two-parter. I was surprised too, because I didn't think this one, this one would be. Have we ever done a UFO or alien two-parter? Not that I can think of. Maybe Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, I think maybe. That was. But that's people like the alien stuff. Yeah. I think Betty and Barney Hill would probably be a two-parter. I got some stuff to say about that one. Yeah, if we if we redid that, I think that would be a two-parter. As referenced in the opener. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. People like the aliens, though. We don't do them as often. So this will be a nice one. Yeah, people wanted more. I'm kayfabing because we got the notes two hours ago, so I did not get a chance to read them before this. Yeah, this was a close call episode. I was behind. That's all right. Yeah. I've read them. Good. I can adapt. Not I. <laughs> so I'm going to learn on the fly here. Next time we do something, I'm going to need to like plan ahead for it. Going to Slipknot kind of fucked me up <laughs> Monday night. <laughs> Threw me off. Very specific on his schedule. Ian's like, see yeah. what happened is I did a thing one time. Yeah. And it threw me off because I had to leave my house. I was out of my house for one night. And my whole week is fucked up. <laughs> and this Pretty became nice. a two-parter now because of it somehow. <laughs> Good Slipknot show, though. Fuck yeah. Wage war. Fun. Outstanding. Loved them. Yeah, those dudes were good. In this moment, won me over. You're a big in this moment fan now. Yeah. I feel like people are hot and cold, just either hot or cold on in this moment. I didn't love, love it. Them or don't. I didn't love it when I, uh, when I listened to it, but then seeing them live, I really enjoyed it. So I gave them a second chance and yeah, I don't love it. It's definitely an entertaining live show. 
the music, you know, you can love or not, but yeah, like there's a like stage the show that's there. It's like Marilyn Manson esque type, you know, like there's it's a performance they're putting on. Like you could just kind of get hammered and watch it. Yeah. Original plan was that I would drive home. So I got really fucking high, like <laughs> abnormally high for myself because I'm like, I'm going to get really fucked up and then I'll be good to drive home. Dave didn't end up driving, but or Dave ended up driving home anyways. But so for in this moment, I was just fucking like in my own little bubble. I was completely quiet. I didn't clap or anything. I was just watching the show, hanging out, just absorbing it all in. <laughs> like is this real life <laughs> they had this big fucking light up triangle and shit a big pentagram isn't that like the kid coming out of the anesthesia <laughs> like, is this real life? <laughs> oh. am i in a new dimension and you've listened to them now sober and yeah. still still a fan yeah okay yeah, i just yeah. want to make sure yeah it's grown on me there's a couple other bands that have that's happened with in life yeah where i see them live and i'm like oh it's Maybe I should change my mind on this. Like Justin Bieber? Never seen Justin oh, Bieber live. Yeah, sorry. Wouldn't that be an experience? I would go. You and 30,000 screaming young women? Yeah. <laughs> Chris Hansen shows up. He just sits right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing now? <laughs> just found pop, a popcorn casually watching the show talking to you. So I don't know. That's all I have. You guys got anything uh, you want to touch off or start the show off with? I think was it last week we were talking about driving and we were talking about how Dave brought up how he doesn't stop at stop signs. He just kind of rolls through, does whatever he wants. The yeah. last, was that last what the week? fuck episode was that? <laughs> it was recent. It all blends together. He just kind of, you know, I don't obey the local traffic laws necessarily. <laughs> like, was this, but what episode was that? I don't know. One of them might have been a bonus episode. I think it was a bonus show. Some, like, some people might not be familiar with what we're discussing like laws stating that you can't have an open container in a passenger seat like that doesn't apply to me that's a ridiculous <laughs> law so slipknot's the longest i've ever been in a car with him with him driving yeah very aggressive driver <laughs> <over here. laughs> my edible kicked in and i was super fucked up sitting in the back seat and he's just like aggressively driving but we're at a stop sign and there's this little old lady in front of us if she wasn't there that long she stopped for like maybe five seconds longer he beeps his horn at her and goes fuck around on your own time don't fuck around on mine i'm like god damn she was at a stop sign for five seconds no it was three people a stop sign the first person went she wasn't moving she was doing some activity in her car i was trying to get downtown have a few beers before slipknot yeah and i'm not gonna stand for it you want to do business pull off into a lot somewhere I, I don't disagree i just I, five seconds is a long ass time instead of the stop sign too that's what i was saying if you're on the road and I'm on the road, that makes it our time, mm -hmm. not just your time. I didn't feel like it was worthy of honking the horn, but well, you were wrong. <laughs> you I got, like that. They Fuck around on your own time, not mine. <laughs> they recently put in a roundabout out by us. I think we've talked about this. Yeah. And that threw a kink in everybody. Cause they don't know what the fuck to do at a roundabout that apparently no one knows what a yield sign is. They think it's a stop sign and or a go sign. There's no in between. Like they don't yeah, know right, what yield means. Right. But either they don't look at all and go, or at least you're being aggressive. Be more aggressive in my opinion. <laughs> but like these, all, these people creep up to these yield signs. There's a car like in sight a quarter of a mile away. They're waiting. <laughs> and I just lay on the horn. I'm like you just, you don't stop. You just merge in. It's a roundabout, but it only has three entrances and exits and I have a full, you know, four way roundabout. They can't figure it out. 
Yeah, I don't. I grew up in the city. I'm not for this hillbilly driving out here and how <laughs> they drive out here. Fucking go. Don't fuck around in front of me. I'm not going to stand for it. Wait, you get an eye opening experience. <laughs> I will push you out of the way with my Jeep. He's in the back seat sweating, like, I'm freaking out, man. <laughs> well, then. Uh, just brew Christie started talking shit on the old lady too. And I'm like, what are we going to do? Like get out and fuck this old lady up. Like, why is everybody so mad about See, it? She knows. <laughs> this lady's going to pull out of her car and beat down. He is just sitting back. like, what are we doing? Trying to get the slip now, bitch. Get out of my way. <laughs> That's great. See what you missed, Mike? Yeah. Big pussy. Staying home. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, all right. That's all I got. Ian's like, yeah, I'm driving every time from now on. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> no, because I'm going to get judged for how I drive. I drive too slow or something. No, I don't. I don't. I think Dave and I drive similar. We don't necessarily judge the person who's driving us. We're just happy to have a DD, I think. Yeah, you drive however you want. If I'm in the backseat, I don't give a fuck. I don't yeah. even you got a I'd rather not drive. You got a beer in your hand. Yeah, you don't I don't care. care. My only issue is, you know, we're going to downtown Cleveland. That's 45 minute drive. You know, yeah. homie's going to have to pee before we get halfway there. And then I have to hold it in. So then, like, by the time we get downtown, we are in a dire situation. And that's when I need things to hurry up. I have jumped out of the car before in downtown Cleveland, sitting in gridlock, and ran to the nearest <laughs> facility. That's true, he has. <laughs> because when I had to go. I can't hold it no more! And I cannot go in, like, a car and, and with, like, people next to me. Like, I'm not doing a Gatorade bottle with people around me. I just can't. I'm a nervous peer. Can't happen. I can pee my pants, I think, in a car, <laughs> but I can't pee in a bottle. Like, I can't just willingly let loose. So, yeah, I've seen him run through traffic downtown. <laughs> it has <laughs> a pisser. <laughs> well, Ian, I apologize for. Oh, no. You scarred him, pal. <laughs> He's going to have to go do something nice for an old lady now just to feel better. That good karma. I forget when there's like people in the car who don't regularly drive with me and they're not accustomed to my aggressive style of maneuvering the vehicle. I was really high though too. I was like overthinking sitting in the back seat because we had to go pick up other people. So I was just chilling in the back and you don't like the back seat. Well, no, because there was no one else in the front seat. So I'm like, I kind of feel like you're chauffeuring me around. Oh. I was like overthinking. Better everything. get used to that pal. That's in your future. What being a stolen chauffeur. Yeah, you'd be a big time podcast star. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Gets your chauffeured around. So, all right, well, let's jump into this one. This is not the Copley woods uh, as in Copley by us. I'm assuming in Northeast Ohio. It is not. No. Yeah. Unfortunately, that'd be cool, right? We don't have a ton of goat or alien stories around here, do we? Mm-mm. No. We got Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, I'd trade him in for a good alien right. abduction story. Uh, for sure. All right. So the story we're going to get into tonight was documented in the book Intruders by Bud Hopkins. We haven't really talked about Bud Hopkins in any of our previous episodes, but Bud was considered to be the founder of research into alien abduction phenomena. Bud was born in 1931 in Wheeling, West Virginia, and that is where he grew up. Bud was a really smart guy and kind of a heavy hitter in the art world. He graduated from Oberlin College in Ohio with a degree in art history, and from there he moved to New York City to continue his studies in art at Columbia University. He received multiple prestigious grants for his paintings and ended up being elected to the National Academy of Design as a full-time Academy member. Just like you, Mike, for your t-shirt designs, right? Mm-hmm. Big in the art world. Right. Well, you know, I am pretty artistic, as 
Yeah, my design show. So he was a member of the Academy, unlike Will Smith. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, you think if Chris Rock would have had that after his joke, it would have been like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, or he should have said, in all due respect, yeah. then you can say whatever you want. Respectful. Yeah. Respectfully. Yeah, respectfully. <laughs> See that? Yeah, that's where he fucked up. Yeah. The, the brumch makes everything better, too, though, right? Like, it's just like, oh. It a- eases it a bit. Yeah. That's right. And I can get bitch slapped. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing skeptics uh or whatever could say is that like yeah this guy's a high level artist but why would that make him qualified to be taken serious when it comes to ufo investigations or anything scientific and i guess it's valid because we've talked about nuclear physicists and things like that but bud was a witness who wanted to figure out what was going on with the ufo phenomena and he surrounded himself with people to assist him in that research yeah, I'm not sure that's a fair criticism. People start out doing lots of things and merge into other fields. If you're a smart person, you're a smart person. Yeah, that's a big thing with uh, debunkers. We'll point to with him. It's like, yeah, mm. he's not qualified to do anything. Like anyone's qualified to assess UFOs, you know, right. really. Well, Ian is, but that's <laughs> it. Him and Philip Class, that's it. <laughs> In August of 1964, Bud and two of his friends saw a daytime UFO, which was a dark metallic object hovering over Cape Cod. Bud reported the sighting to the Otis Air National Guard base, but was pretty much written off. From there, through reading UFO literature and things like that, Bud joined MUFON and began investigating cases on his own. Eventually, he got focused solely on the abduction aspect of the UFO phenomena and worked closely with hypnotist Dr. Aphrodite Clamar to use hypnotic regression on people who had seen UFOs and then experienced missing time or odd dreams that seemed very real. I, I know it's a whole nother show, most likely, but isn't kind of that hypnotic regression stuff the same sort of thing that led to the satanic panic and kind of implanted yeah. memories sort of thing? It's definitely not a exact science. Yeah. Where people had migraines, they went to a doctor and they, oh, I just discovered my parents were in a satanic cult and molested me since I was two years old in the basement. Like that whole implanted memory thing that ended up sending a lot of people to jail for the, right? Yeah. And that with the satanic panic ones. Mm-hmm. Most credible UFO books are ones, you know, the cases that we'll cover. There's always some note of it in there that this is not an exact science, yeah. but this is all we have to go off of. It's interesting because we've talked about, you know, several of the UFO hypnosis stuff. It'd be interesting to talk about that satanic panic and kind of contrast and compare. Go the other route. Yeah, Yeah, because if you have something, you know, if you're watching uh, UFO shows or something, like you clearly could be a tainted uh, subject. Yeah, right. Because who knows what's in your subconscious? That's why Betty and Barney Hill was so unique because they were kept separate from it all that anybody knew were betty's dreams that she talked about all that real in detail stuff they never talked to each other about they never got to hear each other's hypnotic regressions and so that one's a little better well and hence my prayer at the beginning the opening of the show that we don't devolve into any of that kind of talk this evening i mean i have no uh evidence thus far that there's been any illegal substance abuse Yet. We'll see what happens. <laughs> His name is Bud, but I don't think he was doing a Bud. 
weed, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was one of them academia types, <laughs> so you never know, Mike. I'm just saying I have no evidence thus far. We'll see you ever seen Reefer Madness? You know what them learned types are into. Bud wrote multiple books on the subject. His first one was Missing Time in 1981, which is a collection of his research. He was putting forth patterns seen in abduction victims and made a case for the credibility of alien abductions. Then in 1987, he came out with this book, Intruders, about a specific woman who was being abducted multiple times and her family and friends who were also witness to some of the phenomena. And that book is what we're going to be using tonight. Everyone's name in the book had been changed, which is good on Bud for honoring that request. But the person at the center of this was called Kathy Davis in the book. She has since come out and done interviews and things like that using her real name which is Debbie Jordan Cobble. For the sake of confusion, we're just going to stick with aliases for this whole episode because everybody, all her parents, everybody has aliases. Yeah. Um, you know who else does? Jennifer Garner. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> she was the show alias. Oh, <laughs> that went way over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I'm going to need you to be on point when I throw out those random, ridiculous, stupid jokes. <laughs> You get fucking an intern in here just to pick up on all that shit. <coughs> I'll hire someone. We'll pay him next to nothing. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's pay him nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they have, he can have some beer or she or whoever we hire. Oh, yeah. Free beer for the interns. But we'll pay them. And then they just got to do little soundboard gimmicks. Yeah, right. Like Dave's ever <laughs> given up that soundboard. No chance. <laughs> the highlight of his week is coming up with new stuff. <laughs> Can I pee real quick? You just went like before we started the show. <laughs> Don't put it in my head. I'm going to have to. So we'll get to uh, Debbie or Kathy Davis's current situation at the end of part two. Uh, but we're just going to go with Kathy for this. When Bud Hopkins wrote Missing Time, he put a P.O. box at the end and said, if anyone had any experiences of missing time coupled with UFO sightings, he wanted to hear from them. Dr. J. Allen Hynek did this in some of his books, and both Hynek and Bud Hopkins admit that 99% of what they got was just crazy nonsense. Like our P.O. box. <laughs> like used panties. Uh... <laughs> Damn, you guys start sharing that with us. I'm kidding. We need to have a used panties wall. Like, uh, I don't know, my only reference to it is fucking Willie Mays Hayes in Major League. Whenever ever he steals a base, he puts the, the batting glove up. Right. I just want to use panty. You know, or boxers, whatever is sent to us, boxer sure. briefs. Send them to us, put them on the wall. Please don't actually send us your used. I'm under, kidding. We've never gotten any such thing in the P.O. box. We have not. I apologize. It was crass. And we actually don't get much in the P.O. box. <laughs> no. <laughs> not really. Stickers that come back because people don't know their home address. Or sometimes because you forget to put an address on it. Like last time I went to the P.O. box. There was a blank envelope <laughs> from you to you. And I was like, hey, pal, I think this one uh, might have stuck to the there, back of another envelope because there is nothing on this. That did happen. <laughs> I had some sassy old lady yelling at me because I was trying to go get a package at like 502 and they closed it at five. And I was like, I'm sorry. So a bunch of the stuff they received was crazy stuff. Um, but Bud received one from Kathy Davis in September of 1983 that kicked off a multiple year investigation. For context, the Davises live in Copley Woods outside of Indianapolis. It's not exactly a rural area, but there's enough woods out there that the neighbors have privacy. At the time, Kathy was a 24-year-old divorcee living back at home with her mother, Mary. 
her father, Robert, and her two kids, Tommy and Rob. They were a pretty well-off family, upper middle class. Um, and her letter to Bud Hopkins read, quote. It's a long one. Bear with me, people. <clears throat> Dear Diary, my 18-year-old camp director was looking at me funny this past week. She told me that if I touched her breasts, she would touch mine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong story. Sorry. <laughs> had my other notes out. Around the first week of July, 1983, at around 8 or 9 p.m., I was preparing to go out and sew a little at a neighbor's home. And while I was standing at the kitchen window, I noticed a light in the pool house and the door was open. I remember shutting it earlier, so I knew it wouldn't be open, let alone have the light on. So I mentioned it to mom. She looked around and wondered what was up, but neither of us was alarmed. When I got ready to leave, I decided to drive round the turnaround to make sure no one was out there, as mom would be alone with the kids, my sons, Robert, four, and Tommy, three. When I did, the light was off and the door shut, and the garage door was open, which is always kept shut. When I got to Deanne's house, a street over, I called my mom and told her what I saw and asked if she'd like me to come home and check it out. And she sounded rather nervous, which is not at all like my mom. She said she'd seen a big light by the pool house and it moved up to the bird feeder and grew to about two feet in diameter, but she didn't see any beam. It was just like a spotlight on the bird feeder, lighting it up, but nothing else was around it. When I got there, it was gone. And I looked all around the property with my dad's 22. I'm a chicken. I did finally find my dog, Penny, hiding under a car out back. Usually she carries on something fierce when anyone she doesn't know is on our property. It's not like her to hide and have to be coaxed out from anywhere, especially by me. She's usually all over me. I didn't see anything, so I went back to sew, and later that night, Dee and I and her daughter came back about midnight and went swimming. Right after that night, our yard was burned. By what, we don't know. Nothing will grow there now, no matter how much water we give it, and wild animals won't go on it. At first, even Penny would walk halfway around the yard to avoid walking on it. She'd sniff it and run the other way. Birds will no longer go near the bird feeder either. And we always had tons of birds every day, especially red birds. Well, that's the story of our backyard mystery. It's still here for anyone who wants to see it, more or less unchanged. Now about Laura. My sister Laura is 35 years old. She's always been very level-headed and not much imagination always the realist. Anyway, in the summer about 1965, she left one evening about 4.30 p.m. to take my mother to bingo. On the way home from dropping her off, she was passing the church on 10th Street. She suddenly was compelled to pull into the church parking lot around back. She noticed there weren't any cars around and thought it quite strange for a Sunday afternoon in that busy area. When she parked, she looked up and saw something she'd never believed before then. It was silver and I believe she said the lights were red, green, and white, flashing somewhat. Flickering might be a better word. It was hovering soundlessly over the lot above the telephone pole, high right over her car. All she remembers now is she reached over to turn down her radio to see if it made noise, and the next thing she remembers is it's dark out, and she looks up, and the, this thing is gone, and she's driving down the street. When she went to get my mom that night, they drove around looking for it, but never saw anything else. About 10 years or so later, about 1975, Laura went to get hypnotized to lose weight. And while her girlfriend who went with her did great, she experienced some quite terrifying experiences. The first night she came home after hypnosis 
After she went to bed, she woke up and she couldn't talk or hear. She also suffered temporary distortion in her vision. Her husband took her to the emergency room and they gave her tranquilizers and sent her home. This went on, gradually getting better. She noticed that she was going the exact opposite of what the hypnotist had suggested. He told her that potato chips and candy were fat slices. I guess it would gross out her subconscious and she wouldn't want to eat them. But instead, every time she ate them, she felt markedly better. And when she called the hypnotist to ask what the heck was happening to her and could he fix it, the moment she heard his voice, she became violent and wanted to kill him. You have to know Laura. She's very much not at all like this. Very common sense, down to earth, easygoing. He suggested she had some sort of block and that it would probably be best if she didn't see him anymore to go to someone else. The effects gradually wore off, but she was left with one strong thought, that by the year 2000, the world would be totally different than we know it, but it would be only for the young and strong. My mother and I have had a couple of unusual experiences, mine mostly in the form of vivid dreams, and mother and I both have the same scar on our right legs. She said she got hers when she was a girl playing outside. I don't remember when I got mine, but it seems like I had it all my life. They are in the same place and look exactly alike. A nurse once told me it looked like a scar left by a bone marrow test or a pin inserted into my shin bone from a break. At first, I had only one scar, but now I have two on the same leg, about three and a half inches apart. I got this one when I was about 13, but I can't for the life of me remember how. I used to play in the woods by the pond a lot, and I may have got it there but I don't remember now. It's a lot to unpack in one letter. That's a hell of a letter. So Bud's like, hey, maybe I should look into this. Yeah, this one got his attention. Yeah. Why, why did this one? I like, what What about it sparked? Because, I mean, on the surface, this could be any any of that 99% that you just get. Well, I bet was it the, the other 99% are like, I was taken to the planet Gorko where I let, met the Lizard King and, you know, yeah. crazy so, shit. So they like left that. a lot more questions than yeah, answers. This one seems like... You gotta, something might be a little <laughs> off. What is but, it, the Gorko King? Yeah, I don't. You know. Did you just make that up? Yeah. <laughs> My next artwork, I'm going to draw the Gorko King. You should do it. There has to be a solid chunk of those that are just people being trolls. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They're writing fan fiction. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like when we talk. When like we our get paranormal to, erotica, well, you know, dinosaur fucking <laughs> and stuff like that. Even our listener sex stories, half that shit's probably made up. Yeah, exactly. We don't have that crazy horn dog of listeners. Of course we do. Stop it. When we get to the Hudsonville sightings, JL and Hynek set up a like a voicemail thing for yeah, people to call yeah. and stuff. Dude, he got so much dumb shit, like people leaving him voicemails and stuff. So there's so much that is uh that's garbage. Of course. A lot of jokers out there in the world. This one's odd. You know, the light is is pretty strange. And obviously what piqued his interest was the fact that there's the burn mark on the ground mm-hmm. where grass won't grow, animals won't go to. And she had pictures. She provided pictures okay. of it. Like it um, permanently scorched the area. Right. Um, and I know like some interviews, her father was like real particular about the grass and he was tried everything he could think of to do to get it to grow back. And it just that perfect right. circular spot would not grow back. Um, the one about her sister, Laura, is like classic UFO stuff because she went down a street that she was like, I don't know why I would have ever gone down that street. It doesn't make any sense. Betty and Barney Hill, same thing. They mm-hmm. took that back road and right, like right. looking back, I'm like, I, we would never take that route. I don't know why, you know, Barney's like, I don't know why I did that. And then the other one with Laura, she's talking about 
uh, the world being different by the year 2000. And we've seen that before a lot of that future dystopian kind of. Yeah. And there's all these stuff uh, like aerial school. We just did that one. A lot of that warning, warning about the future right. and stuff. Yep. And the scars, her and her mom, identical scars. Getting to the alien implant idea. The story has it all. She certainly did touch on a little bit of everything. <laughs> the only thing missing from this compared to Betty and Barney Hill <laughs> is that she doesn't appear to have been previously obsessed with getting abducted. I don't know that I would say Betty was obsessed with it. When she all fired up her sister. Her sister saw abducted. a UFO, but she was like, oh man, I wish I would have seen one. It's not like <laughs> getting all fired up about it. It's not like every day of the week she was like, oh, man, I wanted to see a UFO. I'd like to ask Barney about that. <laughs> I don't think the Lord heard my prayer at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I'm saying this girl did not have that same. <laughs> well, I think what makes this case pretty credible is the amount of people that were interviewed in relation to this. Because Bud Hopkins got in contact with Kathy and then started interviewing her family and friends. Then with Dr. Aphrodite Clamar, Kathy went through multiple sessions of hypnotic regression. Most of her recounting of events are like a dream. She remembers bits and pieces. Sometimes she remembers the beginning and the end and no middle. Sometimes she doesn't remember the beginning at all. Like she's like, I don't even remember falling asleep. I was just doing something. And next thing I know, it's nighttime and I'm in bed. Um, and just a whole lot of confusion about what's going on. I would very much dislike that. It would make me feel like I was losing my mind. Yeah, if you're just like not oh, a fan of that. Like two hours are gone, you're like, I don't nope. know what happened. I don't want that. That doesn't seem pleasant. The letter she sent Bud was talking about a 1983 sighting, and through that hypnotic regression, Bud was able to piece together a timeline that Kathy had been getting abducted since 1966 when she was a little girl. So we're going to go in chronological order of her experiences because the book starts in 83. Then he pulls out something from 78 and it's all jumbled. And then the end of the book, it's like, okay, here's the cohesive thing that okay. he was able to put together. Yeah. It's probably easier to go through a linear timeline than yeah. to bounce around like that. It makes it hard to follow. Yeah. Like it works for the book. Yeah. But for a podcast episode. Yeah, sure. No. We're, we're clearly not a book. No. <laughs> Unless your book have pee breaks in them. Which, by the way, can I pee real quick? <laughs> <laughs> We've got an ad break coming up. I can hold it. <laughs> From their regression, it's assumed that the first abduction would have been in the winter of 1966. It's definitely 66, but winter is assumed. Kathy and her sister, Laura, were in Detroit, Michigan to visit friends that moved there. It sounds like it was family friends and the family had kids their age. Kathy went outside to play, and then all of a sudden, there was a bright flash of light that made her take off. She got lost and came upon a house that she thought was her friend's house, but there was something off about it. There was snow on the ground, but the front door of this house was wide open, which in her regression, she's like, it's weird. It's cold outside. There's snow, but this, the, the door is open. Kathy said she went inside, and there was a strange-looking family standing there almost like they were waiting for her. She didn't say what made them strange exactly, just that something about their appearance was off. One of the people inside this house, uh, a little boy, walked forward and took her to what he called his playroom. This room was round, white, and had no windows. Once they were inside the room, the little boy said, quote, I'm going to play a trick on you. And he made a small cut in Kathy's shin with a tiny knife. For a second, the boy didn't look like a boy anymore almost like the pain from that cut made Kathy see past 
uh, the disguise for a second, the boy had changed to a small humanoid being with a large head and gray skin. After a period of time, which Kathy couldn't determine how long, she was sent out of the house by the strange family. As she was walking in the snow, Kathy saw her sister Laura wandering around outside like she was sleepwalking. Then, just like Laura had snapped back into reality, she grabbed Kathy's hand and led her back to their friend's house. She's about seven years old at this point. Right. So it's almost like they're putting up some sort of cloaking device to make her, to make this abduction or experience seem like it's just something normal in her existence. There's a lot of abduction cases where it's almost like people's brains are um trying to make sense of what they're seeing mm-hmm. and it's not it's not computing so they see something familiar like almost like it's like a trauma thing so is it their mind making this up or is it some sort of invisibility cloak that the aliens That's what I, is are, it's, are pushing are being to her yeah to see something mm. different there's two sides of that argument yeah sure mm-hmm. there's people that say that it's it's just how our brain reacts to it in some situations or how her brain remembers it right not necessarily how she viewed it in real time how she remembers it 30 years later whatever it is if it is a for real disguise that's fucking creepy oh yeah and it punctures the veil real quick there and she sees what they really look like yeah it's like they live putting the glasses on There's a lot of that in this story that, that we're going to see a lot of this kind of bending of reality a bit here. Yeah, like the 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 Benny and Barney Hill stories and some of the other ones seem a lot more not exactly straightforward, but I don't know how to describe it. So I'll say straightforward, but this one seems different, like mind bending yeah. kind of. Well, remember open that, to interpretation and Betty Andreessen. We did when we covered her. Hers mm-hmm. was very vivid. And, yeah. Is that the black food? Yeah, they wanted burnt, burnt the steaks burnt, or whatever right. it was. Yeah. They're like, no, we wanted knowledge. Like, what are you talking? Why, why are you giving us this? <laughs> like, they started freaking out when the smoke started. For him. Um, Does not compute. Yeah. <laughs> so what she saw when they, he cut her shin was almost like a typical gray. Right. Like from the photo you showed us earlier. Yeah. Yeah. With the sweet turtleneck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like an intellectual gray. Not those worker bee grays that were probing Barney, right? Just came from the coffee shop where he had a poetry reading. It's like a psychiatrist uh, gray. Right. Smart bug. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships can take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life. Your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? Whether it be exercising, putting down your phone for a while, having a chat with a close friend, or just simply taking a nap, we need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves just as you would take care of a friend. And with that in mind, this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. Your mental health should be taken seriously. Nothing can cripple your day or stunt your motivation more than feeling depressed, anxious, or sad. We all have a lot to deal with in our daily lives, be it the struggles of work, keeping food on your table, or even paying the bills. Your mental health is one area that you shouldn't have to worry about. Whether life currently has you down or you're feeling unfulfilled 
We're all experiencing our own form of strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Necronomapod listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Necro. So give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. And thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In July of 1975, when Kathy was 16 years old, she went to Rough River State Park with her friend Nan, age 17, Nan's boyfriend Sam, age 17, and Nan's family, consisting of Nan's mother, father, and her brother. All of these people were interviewed and could remember these boys that we're going to talk about. One day on this trip, Kathy was sitting in Nan's father's truck with Nan, her brother, and Sam. His truck had a CB in it, and they were fucking around talking to whoever would answer. All of a sudden, four guys came on the radio that said they were in the same age range as Kathy and Nan, and they wanted to hang out with them. Kathy and Nan thought it was funny and told the guy, sure, if you can find us, we'll party with you. But the girls never gave these guys an address or anything like that. Nan's brother and Sam got bored with the CB, and they went inside the cabin. Nan eventually went inside, too while Kathy stayed on the radio talking to this boy who was supposedly in his late teens. Not too long after Nan went inside, Kathy said that she saw lights coming down the road. The road was bumpy, like a rough dirt road, but the lights weren't bouncing around, just slowly moving toward the truck. The lights came to a stop a fair distance from the truck, and the boy on the radio said to Kathy, quote, I see you. At that point, Kathy got out of the truck and the three teen boys walked up the road and met her halfway. Kathy said, I thought there were four of you, and the boy who she had been talking to, who was very handsome with blonde hair, said the fourth guy didn't want to come. And at that point, Kathy led the three boys into the cabin. You guys ever have a CB radio? No. Sounds fun, though. Yeah, they're fun to play with. I've seen them before and have known people that have had them, but I have not. Like when I stick around with truckers. Oh, yeah, exactly. You've told us before. (laughs) Have have I? Yeah. Okay. I don't know about on the show or not, but. I think he has. I don't remember what you used to say. Well, like my buddy was a truck dry. He moved furniture when I was, God, I was probably like 20 years old. I went with him on a trip for like three weeks. When you went to Texas Texas to help someone move in the summer. It was like 120 in San Antonio. What a mistake, pal. 12, 13 hour days moving furniture. Talk about fucking hell on earth. I would die. I would. Was, that would be the end of my life. It was fucking. I was thinking about flying home. It was. It was <laughs> unbelievably brutal. And just go to lunch and never come back. Like stop at Whataburger, of course, and then come home. Like my foray into manual labor. I'm like, this is not for me, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But at night, you get to party in the truck stops, and 
Yeah. The, the, well, they call them lot lizards, the you sex workers that roam. definitely told the story, <laughs> but we, we, we let the girl <laughs> sit in the cab of the truck so she could advertise on the CB. The other truckers like, it's like whoever, I forget what the call is, but like commercial company available or whatever channel. Well, a lot of good stuff goes on on those CBs. Commercial company. Awesome. I could see you saying some dumb shit to people. To the truckers? Yeah. Oh, I did, yeah. yeah. Like if I was in that movie Joyride, like uh, Candy Cane. Yeah. <laughs> I would have got smoked. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have liked me. <laughs> I wouldn't be a part of the party if that was me. I'd be in the, in the, the truck stop, you know, gas station, just eating all the hot dogs. But <laughs> hey, it's midnight. You guys can throw these out. Guess how? <laughs> it was wild. A lot of... A lot of interesting things going on at you those mean, truck stops at night at when night. It, was, it was down in 95 degrees. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tolerable temperatures. Ooh, it's a whole different world. Texas. We've talked about this. Texas in itself is an entirely different world. Oh, yeah. So Kathy, along with Nan and Sam, all remembered that it was right around midnight when these three boys came into the cabin. Kathy thought everyone would be asleep, but Nan's parents and everyone were awake. So at that point, she thought, oh, fuck, everyone's going to be mad at me. But the blonde boy who had been talking to Kathy on the CB said something to Nan's parents and everything was good. Something like that. I think that was an exact. How did you find that audio? I pulled pulled it from the archives. (laughs) The blonde boy did all the talking while the other two stood by like, quote, guards, according to Sam. Nan's mother asked the leader, which that seems to be what he ends up being or being referred to. Um, if they wanted something to drink, he asked what she had and she replied with Coke, beer or coffee. The boy said, whatever they had the most of Nan's mother said beer. And the boy said, that was fine. They would take some beer. However, during the regression and in regular interviews, no one could remember seeing them actually drink anything. They just held on to the drinks the whole time. In all fairness, every Thursday morning after we're done recording, I never remembered Dave or I actually drinking. <laughs> so, is that right? <laughs> they tell me I had a good time, but I feel like it. This seems like some sort of weird men in black slash children, uh, black eyed children mashup yeah. scenario. It really does. There. Yeah. Which is not bad because that's like the greatest hits of our, you know, paranormal ufo oh, type yeah. talk like that's the creepiest stuff i'm still waiting for the black eyed kids to come to my door Doors and for up. that when it happens dave i won't believe you and i'll call you a crack whore <laughs> <laughs> you want it too bad extremely <laughs> rude fucking show up at my door and i would be fucking terrified i'll have pictures I just post I, on Instagram one day like selfies with black eyed children like with my arms around them and stuff you think you're just gonna be like yeah of course take that photo <laughs> great like their whole eye eye sockets are black holes. <laughs> like, check out these kids stop by last night. I think we just came on to something, pal. We, you need to take a photo of like Ian and I, like holding us like we're kids, like around the necks, and then just black out our eyes. <laughs> Everyone thinks, no, motherfucker, he's wearing like a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt, and that guy's wearing a Kanye shirt. We know who that is. You're like, no, I swear they came to my door last night. My lion. I don't do crack. That's great. I don't do crack. So at this point in the story, Bud Hopkins wanted to know what they all did together, like more details about these three boys. Kathy and everyone else involved said that all three of them had blonde hair and were wearing blue shirts. 
with the boy that did all the talking being very attractive, but no one could really remember anything about the other two. The boy said that they were in a band and asked Kathy what music she liked. She said rock and roll, and the boy said that that's the kind of band that they were in. He asked her some of her favorite bands, and he told her that they played that kind of music, uh, music that sounded exactly like those bands. Oh, how convenient. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, what music do you like, rock and roll? Well, that's what we play. <laughs> Who are your favorite bands? Oh, I like, you know, Hanson and Third Eye Blind and Sister Hazel. That's the exact music we play. <laughs> It's very men in black sounding because it's at the 70, late 70s. So there's a lot of that, like, you know, rock and roll, smoking weed, whatever yeah, going on. Yeah. So like, okay, this is how we can fit in. Yeah, music. exactly. What kind of music do you like? That's. Oh, me too. You're Believe in luck. It. Yeah. <laughs> like, what a quinky thing. Like every guy ever on like yeah. his first date with a girl. Like, oh, well, what do you like? Oh, me too. That's so cool. <laughs> I love watching Real Housewives of fucking Iowa City. (laughs) Iowa City. (laughs) One thing that Bud Hopkins pointed out in the book that led him to believe this, you know, that there was something weird going on here was that they never gave the name of their band or really said anything else. They just kind of agreed. And then, Mm. and then that was it. He was, you know, he's saying like a 17, 18 year old kid back in the seventies that had a band would definitely say the name and would probably be talking themselves up a lot in front of girls. Of course. Yeah. That's like, the whole point oh, of yeah. being in a band. Right. Like, oh yeah, we opened for, yeah. you know, whoever. Deep Aerosmith. Purple. We opened for Deep Purple. <laughs> this is all regression hypnosis, right? She didn't remember this. This wasn't in the original letter. So this was all come upon later. This one is a mixture because every, Bud Hopkins interviewed Nan and Sam and uh, Nan's mother. Okay. Everybody remembered these boys coming to the cabin. They can't remember much else other than what we're talking about now. Everybody agreed on that. Everybody agreed that they asked for beer. Um, but they didn't need regression, Ted. They just remembered this scenario. Right. Okay. But there's some missing time here because Bud wanted to know their names. No one could remember these three's names at all. And when Kathy's in regression, I'm, I'm pretty sure she says that they never even gave a name at all. But is that that odd? Like, you know, I can remember meeting three girls in the, in the eight, in the eighties. <laughs> I did too. You know, one was my mom, <laughs> but I don't necessarily remember their names. You know, I can tell yeah, you, yeah, I remember I think, meeting those three girls at camp or look, something. Even now, that doesn't seem so when odd I meet to me. someone for the first time. I will forget their name immediately. Yeah. I'm just not good at like those initial introductions. Yeah. Like I remember a face. Like if I met you 40 years ago, I'll remember your face. I don't necessarily remember your name though. I've only been alive 36 years, so I can't (laughs) speak to that, but you know, maybe. No, I mean, don't you, yeah, I'm I'm better with faces. Sure. I'm not going to remember someone's name. So I don't find that part that I agree. Unusual or. Yeah. I would agree about the name. Everyone said that they felt, like these three boys were there for a couple hours, but no one could remember anything that they did or talked about aside from that conversation about music and asking for drinks. So it's, it's that missing time thing again. Tiffany's like, I swear we were hanging out for a while, but well, they had all those beers happens to me every Saturday night, pal you time travel a bit. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in my mind, I'm having a blast <laughs> and I wake up the next morning and it's down to earth. And I'm like, <laughs> Oof. What the fuck did I do? 
I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm making jokes of it. I, I don't know. Like, it's, that's, like I, I'm trying to remember scenarios where, you know, or even if the kids brought friends home in that same sort of scenario, how would you remember that long ago what you talked about or right. whether had someone had a drink? I don't know. Yeah, I don't find that that unusual. Well, when they left, Kathy recalled that the lights floated down the street just as they came in. The only other thing she said was that the boy who was like the leader made her feel very warm and comfortable. She said that, quote, their eyes were the same and the way they smiled at you with them, which is something that is going to get brought up later. And it's pretty common in the alien abduction stories. People say that the abductors mouths never move. They smile with their eyes like all the communication comes through mm. their eyes. I it, feel like this would have been a good video episode we could have done. Like, I'm smiling at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not moving my mouth at all. I'm you smiling at you. You're moving eyes. those eyebrows a lot, though, yeah. <laughs> I don't think grays have eyebrows. <laughs> they have a furrowed brow, perhaps. <laughs> now he's just giving the I'm going to bang you eyes. <laughs> it's like that gif of that, that little kid, like, Given the eyebrows, the <laughs> eyebrow look. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> the thing that happened in regression about this that leads to the, you know, the missing time and in, in the alien stuff is when Kathy's talking about the car coming down the road and leaving. She kind of does the same thing with the house in this convenience store we're going to talk about in a bit mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah, here this car is coming down and this realization starts coming like that's not a car. Like at one point she says, I want that to be a car. I hope that's a car. And she, and as it gets closer, she's like, that's not really a car. There's something off with that. I think it's again, that your brain, if this is all true, either your brain remembering it the way that it wants to, to protect you from trauma, or it's just how you perceive it at the time. It's interesting. The, the bumpy road that the headlights didn't move at all. Like I, that's, I thought most interesting part of this. And also, if this was aliens kind of changing your reality to suit the scenario, the fact that everyone remembers it kind of the same way is interesting. It right? would lead to they changed a, everyone's perception at the same time. Right. I guess it's well, it's not the same thing as Betty and Dries. And Betty and Dries's whole family was there. And it was like how she said it, it was like they all got switched off. They all were just like frozen. And when they woke up, they were like, I, we don't know what the fuck happened. The power went out and now we're missing all this time. Like did the, the Nan and these other people in the house kind of get switched off and they remember this happening, but they were out for several hours while whatever was taking place with Kathy. Possibly. Yeah. These stories are freaky. I mean, at face value, it's a fucking creepy thing because he, like in the book, uh, when Nan's interviewed, she says that looking back on it, it's very confusing she's, because she's like, we're fucking around the CB radio. We don't know where these guys are. We're just talking. Mm-hmm. And here a half hour later, they just show up. Yeah. We never told them where we were or anything like that. And all of a sudden they pull up and they're like, yeah, we see you. Like they didn't have GPS or. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> You're not <laughs> pinning your location. Right. right. Sending it to them. <laughs> Although a CB only has a certain radius. So. Oh, okay. You had to be. In but at least still, a specific like, area, that's not a you know. Well, it's not like a cell phone call that can be from anywhere. But even in a specific area to show right up where they're at is a little creepy. Yeah, a little bit. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I don't know what the range is, but it's not. Like you, you can't know. talk to California. On yeah, it's radio. not fifty miles okay. away. It's you're somewhere in that area. 
I think, because I haven't thought about CBs in a long time. But, but they were still using that technology better than Ian did when he walks home drunk from neighbors' houses. <laughs> yeah, 1978. Yeah. yeah, They were still getting around better and finding things, yep. you know, from people you shared a backyard with. <laughs> people you shared a backyard with. I Meaning, presumably, he could have went over the fence and been home. You know, I'm wondering, did you lose any time that night? I don't know. Maybe they put you at that major intersection by a stoplight. I don't remember getting there, but I do remember calling you. <laughs> you did call me. <laughs> CB radios have a range of about three miles. <clears throat> so then that's a little different. Oh, three miles to 20 miles. Sorry. Uh-huh. Depending on terrain. And this was also in 1978. So maybe technology with CB radios wasn't as great back then as it is. To, you know. Interesting. No, I don't know. You Between know, when I'm two base stations, you could have a range of about 20 miles. A well-installed system should provide about a 15 mile or more range. But you're talking about a car, CB, yeah. right. substantially less than that, probably. When I was a child, one of the first jobs I wanted to have uh, was a truck driver. Yeah. I thought that was a cool gig. That's pretty cool. The end, but that's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Somewhere in between wanting to be a pro wrestler and, you know, whatever else I wanted to be as a kid. Yeah. Truck driver. It's the lifeline of this country. Makes everything move. Your store shelves would be empty in three days with no truck drivers. I, st- I mean, would it not be kind of cool? Although I had a teacher. If the shelves were empty? No, to be a truck driver. <laughs> oh, of course that would not be cool. <laughs> I had a teacher. If you have a gun, you steal everyone else's stuff. <laughs> in sixth grade, whose dad was a truck driver. And I don't know why I remember this, but she told us that he had actually lost his hearing from driving trucks his whole life. All the, all the sound, the, just the loud noise of the engines and stuff. Really? And th- that, at least that's what they had said at the time, you know, mm. that he had, it had damaged his hearing to the point where he could barely hear anymore. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. That's wild. Maybe that's when I got turned off the, to the no, idea. That was, that was sixth grade. By then I was. Couldn't listen to Kiss anymore. If you went over. deaf, you're like, fuck this. And yeah, what are you going to do? You got to listen to something in that ride, right? Can't listen to Necronomapod forever. <laughs> I think it's, it seems like a hard job to me. I don't I don't know that I would love it. I'm not saying it's no. easy. I just, you know, it's, it's like life on the road. Yeah. But I don't know. Have one of those big rigs, like the little uh, cabin in the back to sleep in. Gas station food all the time. Sounds fucking phenomenal. <laughs> no, just no. I love that life, man. Glory holes. Come on. <laughs> At the truck stop, lot lizards every night of the week. I, I think you're talking to yourself into it, pal. <laughs> Go get one of those fucking uh, buffalo chicken rollers. They're so goddamn good. Have you had one of those yet from Speedway? No, I've never eaten anything from Speedway. I'm going to get you one. <laughs> no, we're not eating that shit you that know you put in your like body. The, like the taquitos. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Now they got actual just chicken rollers. <laughs> and it's just like a processed buffalo chicken roller. No one should eat that food. That's not good. Don't eat that shit. Don't listen to Mike Nowapod. Yeah, I eat it. Garbage. It's so good. Anyway, hats off to truckers. Lifeblood of this country. Kathy had two more experiences relatively close together, one in December 1977 and March 1978. Both of these happened in Indianapolis. The first one, Kathy was with her friends, Dorothy and Roberta. The girl saw a light darting back and forth through the sky, and after a while of watching it, Dorothy pulled off to the side of the road to get a better look. At that point, Roberta started crying and getting really upset, and then everything stopped. The next thing anyone remembered, a little over an hour had passed and they were back driving. And the details of this came out under hypnosis. This one is like a classic alien abduction 
the examination, all that stuff. So the way that Kathy remembers this is that Dorothy and Roberta were pretty much turned off like uh, Betty and Dreesen, like time just stopped for them. Kathy under hypnosis said that she could feel a lot of pressure down by her bladder and her legs were being pulled. <laughs> no, go ahead. Can I pee real quick? So speaking of bladder pressure, I live my life feeling pressure by my bladder. I have no sympathy for her. <laughs> then she said she felt her legs being spread, that it was really uncomfortable, and that she specifically said it felt like she was being pulled apart by a magnet. Mm, that's a little disconcerting, right? Being pulled apart by a magnet. And uh, Dorth, were their names Dorothy and Roberta? Yeah. Kind of maybe in suspended animation state while this is going on? Right, just like Betty and Dreesen. Mm-hmm. And in every experience like this, there's always um, what you would consider your typical gray alien. Uh, she always calls him a man mm-hmm. in that he always makes her feel comforted with his eyes. Same thing as like the boys before you know, what you're doing there. <laughs> Smiling with my eyes. <laughs> it's a good video podcast episode. <laughs> I don't know. The, you're they're great. Like your Bernie Mac crazy eyes. Type <laughs> bit. Bernie Mac was awesome. He's hilarious. W- what we're getting to here, because there's also um, like a needle. There's a needle that's inserted into her belly button, things like that. What yeah. what this is aiming towards is that there's some type of genetic experiment mm-hmm. experiments going on here. We're going to be getting into the realm of alien human hybrids. Which, if we're looking at some uh, government documents that were released in the what yesterday that yeah. we, we just saw, that might not be on uh, be beyond the realm of possibility. I mean, the way that Bud Hopkins does, it, and we'll talk about it on part two, and almost everybody, it's when you put all these these cases together, whether you believe them all or not, there's always that running theme of they're real interested in how we reproduce. Yeah, always very interested in that. Like I said, that's what we're getting to here is that something is being done to her, yeah. you know, sexually, like reproductive. Mm-hmm. In the one in 1978, she had the same experience with the the gray being, which she calls a man, uh, staring down at her, making her feel at ease. But this time something was removed. She still said she felt like she was being pulled apart by a magnet, all that stuff, but that she could tell something was removed at this point. Like a fetus, perhaps. We're, yeah, it's it's lean in that way. Mm. She's like an incubation chamber for their hybrid experiments. That's what a lot of this ends up pointing to. This is getting borderline paranormal erotica <laughs> that we cover on patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Well, every time, I mean, every episode we've done on alien abductions, it's always, it always goes back to that stuff. Mm. Betty Hill, they put the needle in her, mm-hmm. in her belly button. Barney Hill, they got a semen sample somehow he's never really specific about how that happened i wouldn't be either (laughs) (laughs) the whole uh needle in a belly button thing like is just so it gags me it it grosses me out i remember betty's specifically because it made me queasy feeling she talks about how long it is and it went in and she said that the the being calmed her with his eyes like he looked at her and was like you know and all of a sudden she said she felt like okay i'm i'm good Mm. But then, like Betty and Dreesen, 
when she was abducted and they were doing the examination, it was like they were real confused when they got to that part of her body said in her uh she had a hysterectomy right yeah she was like yeah, yeah. But i had a hysterectomy like they were real fucked up they by didn't that. Know what to do yeah they were like wait what between that and the smoke like she f- she fucked with them yeah she accidentally like threw mm-hmm. them for a loop <laughs> yeah they were real thrown off it's interesting that barney never exactly said well, how that happened when they were you know sober betty never told them what to say oh boy. <laughs> Like, we know he had a... A sexy time explosion. <laughs> Where'd that one come We just from? don't know how it happened. <laughs> oh, man. That's one of the old school ones, isn't it? The old uh, Borat? Sexy time explosion. <laughs> I want to watch that show. In the summer of 1979, while Kathy was pregnant with her son, Robbie... Kathy was abducted from an apartment she was living in in Indianapolis. She had the same experience as the other abductions, lying on a table and being examined. However, this time a thin wire with a small ball on the end was put up into each of her nostrils. When she returned to her bed, she again said that she felt comforted and at peace, which was due to this man smiling at her with his eyes. Wish we had that camera up there. We do a lot of smiling up in the eyes, smiling into the camera. The- post a creepy video on your Instagram of you just looking into the camera, smiling with your eyes. <laughs> Kathy said that she was then shown a small black box. Like she's back in her bed with this being looking at her and she was shown a small black box and she was told that she would remember what it was for in the future. It's one of the things that to me is very credible in these stories is when People are confused by what they see and they can't really figure it out. Like I figure, I would assume somebody making up a story would be like, and then this alien came in. And, mm-hmm. But when they try to say it, like he's an odd looking man, they're not quite sure what happened. Right. Or like the car thing. It's a car was coming down the road, but it's not really like a car or something off about it. If they were kind of, it makes it look less attention seeking. Because you're not saying like, oh, I saw this spaceship or UFO and not saying that everyone who sees that is attention seeking. But I agree. It gives more credibility. Like, you're almost more of a realist. Like, I saw this, but I don't know what to make of it. If they had an agenda, they'd be a little more specific and forceful and trying to convince you about, like you said, like it was an alien. In the theme of this book in and Bud Hopkins' first one, Missing Time, the people that he focused on were all trying to disprove what was going on. Like, they didn't want to believe mm. that that this stuff was going on, but they wanted to get to the root of it and kind of disprove or just figure it out and kind of like, okay, well, that, there's an explanation for it. Yeah. In 1980, Kathy got pregnant again, this time with her son, Tommy. During this pregnancy, every Wednesday for nine months, Kathy would receive a phone call. On the other end of this call was what I took to sound like the internet dial-up sound from the 90s. Is it kind of like this? Yep. This is uh, 10-year-old Mike getting home from school, cracking open a Mountain Dew, <laughs> logging on to AOL to check out the latest wrestling rumors. Yep. <laughs> Maybe send some uh, instant messages to my friends. Then my grandma starts button mashing the telephone, <laughs> knock me off the internet. Who's on the phone? 
Why? God damn it. I was just about to read a spoiler of what Shawn Michaels trunks were going to look like this weekend. <laughs> Dude, that was the first thing I did when I got on the internet. I specifically remember my first time in the internet. I went to uh, WWE's website and I was just looking at pictures of wrestlers. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm sitting on my computer. I'm looking at wrestling. But my dad had one really early on. Like he had it like right when shit came out. I was like, oh, this is fucking wild. Thinking back on now, it looked like shit. Like now nah, I could beat off on my computer and set my <laughs> TV. I don't have to wait for Monday nights to get off. God, I had a TI ninety four, Commodore sixty four back in the <laughs> back in the eighties on you know, bulletin boards and all that fucking what did that crazy sound? stuff. What did those sound like, Dave? Well, you know what they sounded like. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was just the the same modem sound but it was uh substantially less quick oh so same thing just oh yeah oh, like okay. 300 baud modem versus the 56k you guys were oh, jumped I'll, online I'll spoiled uh brats go thrown up growing up in the 90s <laughs> do you remember the first email you sent i do not remember mine god no oh I, I remember signing up for like a a Yahoo, maybe a Lycos email or something. Mm, and I remember school. getting in the chat and just fucking trolling people. <laughs> I would do that a lot. That's unbelievable. <laughs> in school, they made us all sign up for Hotmail accounts. Uh, yeah. And what happened to Hotmail? Like, you mm. still see someone with a Hotmail account, you're like, oh, that's an old person probably. <laughs> Microsoft just shut that domain down, didn't they? I don't know. Recently? Or it's coming up. So was that owned by Microsoft? They bought it eventually. They bought yeah. it and they shut it down. Is Lyco still available? Is that? Oh, still I don't out know. There? That's wild. If it Do is, you still use Ask Jeeves for your suspension. <laughs> Jesus. No, hmm. you and I do. I type it in just the search bar at the top, and then whatever comes up comes up. I don't fucking know how that works. Like, hmm, I wonder what Ask Jeeves has to say about that. I'm not going to type in a website just to type in something else. What fucking imbecile. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Imagine if that was the like Ask Jeeves won the war and beat out Google and everything was Ask Jeeves now. That'd be awesome. Didn't you have to phrase it in a question or no? Like Am it was Jeopardy? It, but like because it was Ask Jeeves, so it was like I don't think what? you had to. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't Is that what you were doing? No, I don't know. <laughs> Ask Jeeves was like when I literally was first using a computer. <laughs> What, if anything, is wrong to jerking off to Shawn Michaels' tights? <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Yeah. I'm sorry, is that a question? Well, Michael, let me swear do I start? I don't know. I don't remember what Ask Jeeves, like, I know of Ask Jeeves, but I don't think I ever used it. It was, like, before even my time. I don't think anyone did. <laughs> yeah, Maybe like they did. I don't know. I've never met someone who <laughs> brought up Ask Jeeves like it was their main <laughs> shit. Still, my first memory of using a computer was playing Oregon Trail. That was fun. That was my first memory of a computer. And then I died of dysentery. And then I was like, fuck this. I'm going home. I'm going to play with my wrestling figures. (laughs) Yeah, that was for sure my first one. My first internet one, though, was WWE. And then I was looking up some alien shit, too. Of course. Yeah. Nothing nothing has changed. Yeah. Ask Jeeves was rebranded to Ask.com in 2005. And still no one used it. (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck was the ass.com? Ass.com ended its foray into search engineering in 2010. Yeah, okay. Well, they made it till 2010 then. Pour one out for Ask Jeeves. Now, ass.com, I've been to a few times. (laughs) Have you? Anything good there? I don't know, but I bet if you search it, something fun's going to come up. (laughs) So that 90 sound, the modem sound was what she would hear every Wednesday for nine months while she was pregnant. 
behind all that sound was a voice that just kept talking without ever pausing. Like when Kathy or someone else who answered the phone would say, hello, who is this stuff like that? The voice never stopped to acknowledge them. No one could ever make out any words or what exactly the voice was saying. But Kathy and her family members said that at times they could sense that the voice was angry, sad, or just sometimes kind of, uh, kind of blah and really fucking creepy Mm. is that she was pregnant with her son, Tommy at this time. Fast forward to Tommy being like three years old. He had a real issue with talking and she said, and, and her mother and her father said that the way Tommy tried to talk at three years old sounded a lot like the voice on the phone calls. Yikes. Like just oh, jumbled boy. speech that you oh, can't make out. That's really weird. But this one was all like electronic mm. and had the sounds. Didn't John Keel get a lot of weird calls like that too? That same kind of deal? Mm-hmm. John Keel that wrote the Mothman Prophecies book? Yep. Injured Cold. There was mm-hmm. a lot of phone calls going on with that. Oh, there was party lines back then. Maybe that's just their neighbor was on the phone. You know what was weird? I don't know. <laughs> in this book, they bring up uh, Bud Hopkins is like, and there we ruled out any kind of sexual person, you know, calling the house. And then in John Keel's book, Mothman Prophecies, he also talks about ruling out. He calls him like the sexual deviant or something, making phone calls. Like, is that a big issue back in the seventies and? 80s like dudes the heavy breather yeah like dudes calling women like that yeah, nothing else to do right <laughs> so you're just gonna sexually they, harass they women on jeans and look up <laughs> boobies so what are you supposed to do i just found it odd that two separate books pointed out that it's these nice. weren't like sex offenders calling people <laughs> what are you wearing <laughs> it's weird growing up in this age where it's like like i remember dial-up phones i had them yeah but i wasn't like I don't know. My childhood wasn't like crank calls and stuff like that. Like, oh, I was doing a lot of crank calls. <laughs> me too. Too. Oh, no, I never did any of that. Oh, yeah. I love doing that. Oh, yeah. It was like, I think like seventh or eighth grade. Oh, yeah. We called our fucking by gym coach had, from by then school. We had AOL. <laughs> like, there was on, I was online. I got in trouble in grade school. I ordered my teacher a Smurfs record and had it sent to his house. He could call, yeah, you know, like 1 800 or whatever, and you could yeah. have anything shipped COD. Yeah. So it gets there and like it's cash on demand when they deliver it. <laughs> Smurfs record. Smurfs record. What? Like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> well, you just sitting there one night, like, you know, eating chips, watching TV, and they're like, oh, oh buy the Smurfs record. And you're like, I'm going to send that to my teacher. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, a lot of a lot of tomfoolery was based around <laughs> telephones when yeah. I was a, a kid. Yeah, like, you well, like that's where a lot of the phone hacking and all that stuff started with that. What is that? That blue box that all those guys mm. like hacking the phone company stuff. And that was cool, innovative, you know, stuff back then. Hacking the phone company, man. Sticking it to the man, making free phone calls. I guess I never <laughs> got the humor and crank calls. <laughs> It's just not my thing. I have a whole t- videotape of like you know me calling local. <laughs> we talked about this, like calling local news oh, people yeah. and crank calls and everything. <laughs> like that big we- dog guy, the Cleveland Browns big dog guy. He was yeah. like, he was being interviewed on news when the Browns were leaving in '99. And I, had, Art Modell was the '99. You're you're a full grown man. 
<laughs> was that 99 when the Browns yeah. left? Well, they, 90, I think 95. Whenever they left Cleveland, yeah. they he, was on the, yeah, he was on the news. And I, I they took phone calls back then all the time. I called and asked him if he would blow Art Modell to keep the Browns in town. And he just blushed. He never said no. So I assume the answer was yes. But <laughs> I got, Fair question. Yeah. I got tons of videotapes of all those phony phone calls. I got to find them one of these days. They could call the local news person, like, and they had no delay or anything. Like, I asked the girl at the news, like, what's under her panties? I mean, she just put her face down on the desk. They cut the audio feed. Like, I disrupted the whole newscast. It was fantastic. Oh, my God. In all fairness, I would be down to do that today still, so. Oh, there's nothing better than phony phone calls. Yeah, I would call someone right there's now. Still, yeah. There's shit. a lot funnier than phony phone calls. Yeah, Omar Vizquel, award-winning shortstop for the Cleveland Indians, was being interviewed by a local news person. I called, and I asked her what's under her panties. And, and Omar Vizquel goes, what's under my panties? I think you have told That's that good one stuff, man. A lot of good material back in the old days. I could have started crank anchors way before uh, Jim Florent. There you go. I was an original OG. On the, I forgot about the, that show. On the prank phone calls. So in the timeline, that brings us to June 30th, 1983, which was the incident that Kathy wrote to Bud Hopkins about. After Kathy went out with her father's 22 to the pool house and found her dog, she all of a sudden was missing two hours of time. Like we said in her initial letter, she went back to her friend's house and then they went back to Kathy's to swim. Her friend Deanne said that she was close to calling the police because Kathy was gone for so long and Deanne couldn't get a hold of her. After checking the pool house, Kathy walked to the door and as she walked out, she said she was hit by a bright light and it made her skin burn. She compared it to what she would imagine as being struck by lightning would feel like. This was Kathy's account of that evening. It felt as if I had first been punched by a huge electric fist right in the gut. The burning electrical feeling slowly moved down my legs to my feet, out my arms, to my fingertips, and around my head. Then I could feel every molecule of my body vibrating. I couldn't move, and I couldn't see because the flash was so bright. I knew I could not have tolerated more than a few seconds of this, but I swear it felt as if this lasted for several minutes. I assumed it couldn't have lasted more than a few seconds. I remember thinking, I'm dead. This is what it feels like to die. I was shaking and burning, and I felt like I was vibrating to my very core. The brightness wore off fast. Then, the vibrating and shaking subsided, but I still couldn't move. I was able to see bits and pieces, very much like having been flashed in the eye by a camera flash. I had big blind spots in my vision, but I could see some shadow and some movement in the yard in front of me. I can now feel someone pulling on my right shoulder as if to pull me down a bit. Then I felt a stabbing, burning sensation in my right ear, and I could hear someone telling me it was unfortunate that I had to feel pain. Then I was outside the pedestrian doorway, but I didn't know how I got there. I could see a soft white ball of light directly in front of me. It was about the size of a basketball and is hovering about as high as I am, about five foot, three and a half inches tall. The light slowly moved up and down as if it were looking at me from head to toe. Then it moved into an egg-shaped thing and disappeared. Hey, I don't know. Epstein's dick was in this episode. Is this a, ma- <laughs> it's a mashup episode there? Just floating in front of your face. 
Just to the left of the light, I could see something about the size of the pool pump house, maybe eight to 10 feet tall and shaped like an egg. Not very big as far as a UFO goes. And I could see six people in the yard in front of me. They're at various spots in the yard. At the same time, they all seemed to line up and slide to the left, back to this egg-shaped thing in front of me. They were smaller than me, shorter. I thought they looked like children. Bullet-shaped children. Bigger in the head and getting narrow at the feet. I couldn't see much detail, mostly just silhouettes. Bullet-shaped children. That's an interesting description. That's the name of my band. Is that right? (laughs) Bullet-shaped children? Yep. Right. Like Britney Spears cover band? We do some, Brittany. Okay. Yeah. Most, mostly focus on like Mandy Moore, Jessica Simpson, their early days. <laughs> Little, Mandy Moore. The classics. Little in other words. Aguilera before she went dirty and got all, you know, Understood. provocative. That's not right. for me. I'm a religious man. The rest of this event is still a blur after 20 years. The next thing I remember is hearing someone say, it's over. I suddenly remembered my kids. I thought, my kids, oh my God. And immediately I heard a voice say that my kids were okay. I heard my name being called, and I was able to move, and I turned and began to walk up the lower porch steps toward the back kitchen door. With each step I took, the memory of what had just transpired faded until by the time I reached my mom at the back door, I did not remember anything after I entered the garage. I said to my mom, everything's cool, and with that, she became animated again. It was as if she was standing there in a daze until she heard my voice. Fucking freaky, man. Time standstill stuff going on. Yeah. Mm. It's just terrifying to think that someone has that ability to do that to you. you know? Like you're yeah. not really in control of your surroundings. You're just subject to the whim of a, an alien or foreign invader or whatever this yeah, is, you it know? just takes over, freezes the moment or whatever mm. and anyone around you. And if it's, if it's all true, it, it could happen to a ton more people. Like what if the whatever they use to make people forget amnesia mm. it just kind of didn't work on these people but maybe it works really good on everybody else and that's not out of the question i mean some people go into surgery and remember they're not completely out so yeah there's precedence for that right like what if this happens on a really large scale and you just don't know now you're scaring me <laughs> Maybe that's what weird dreams are. Like, I hate dreaming. If I could flip a switch and never have another dream again, I would love it. I, I like dreaming. hate it. I like it. I had dreams all night last night. Really? Fucking weird shit. I don't like it. I feel like I've been up doing shit all night, not sleeping. I don't like it. I it's don't want it. It's not good when you feel exhausted the next day. Like, my mind's tired because of all the shit that was going on the night before. Like, I don't want it. I just want to turn off and sleep. I never remember my dreams. If I do, I have a reoccurring dream that happens. That's really a bad dream. It, it takes me a minute to wake up and like get out of it. Yeah. Other than that, I don't remember my dreams ever, which is good. I, I like remember that. hazy details, like a broad landscape of what was going on, but nothing. Yeah, that's usually typical, right? Like, yeah. yeah. But I feel like I was doing something all night. Maybe that's what dreams are. Like, who knows? Like when you're getting, you don't like the, to do anything in the day, let alone at night when you're trying to sleep. I just turn me off, man. Stop giving me dreams. I don't want to think at night. But I mean, when we're getting into realms like this, who knows? Maybe that's what dreams are. Yeah. You but, know, you, you talked about that, that thing earlier today, um, that UFO report, um, which as soon as that comes out, I'm sure we're going to do a bonus episode on all that. 
whenever that comes out in full. Like there's a lot to unpack in that in that report. Yeah, but there's that there's that one um yeah, there's this there's this line here about it's like a classification system, but there's this line a flyby where the witness experienced a transformation of reality into the object or its occupants. What does that mean exactly into the occupants? I don't know, man. Like you're seeing first person as them on some sort of ship experiencing it like that. And then you're getting into the realm of J. Allen Hynek and Jacques Vallée and their book, Edge of Reality, where they're putting forth the idea that somewhere in here, there's a technology that we're not familiar with. And it's something that is a mixture of physical and psychic that there's a mix here mm. that somehow it's bending the reality of the person experiencing this. And then if there happens to be other people around, then it, they can affect everyone's reality, which makes sense while we don't understand any of this. It's Cause it's always the art grasp this. Yeah. And that's always the argument too, is that it's like, well, if someone was abducted by a UFO, wouldn't you see them just floating out of their fucking house or whatever? I don't think their actual body Mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't even physically go anywhere. Maybe it's all Or maybe that psychic. invisibility cloak is up and you wouldn't see it anyway because yeah. that's not what they're projecting you to see at that moment. Like the, yeah, the, I, I feel like these experiences are for that person only and mm-hmm. you're just not going to see it. Yeah. Because reality is different for everyone. That seems to be what we're talking about. You still want to have that? that experience yeah no not like this that's terrifying i haven't from the beginning so no i would like to see a really cool ufo yeah but from a distance yeah Yeah, from a distance (laughs) (laughs) there's stuff we're going to get into (laughs) next next week with this episode like we still have a whole other encounter to get into tonight but that next week we're going to get into some stuff that it sounds like this family is being haunted by a ghost like their house is fucking haunted but it's not it's it's an, a whole abduction phenomena happening. I, I, I mean, so it's entirely possible that, you know, things like hauntings and ghosts are all like, this is all the same thing. Yeah. We, we've had, the, I've had listeners message me on Instagram and stuff. And they're like, well, if you don't believe in ghosts, how do you explain this? And like, I never said, I don't believe in ghosts. I'm just saying that I don't think that someone is going to die and their their spirit is going to haunt everything the traditional explanation of what a ghost is right i think aliens or ghosts or demons or angels it's all the same i think that probably makes sense yeah or ghosts don't exist but aliens figured out how to make you leave your body because they have technology that we don't like you talked about earlier yeah it's just different interpretations of the same thing we perceive Seems that as likely. meaning like, oh, your soul or your ghost is leaving your body. Well, maybe they figured out a way to ex- extract part of you from you, you know, like, get you off like they did Barney Hill and send you back. Like you, <laughs> like when you're talking about not understanding the stuff like that, our brains can't understand it. Just talking to the next dimension, the fourth dimension, right? If you put a cube in the fourth dimension, it turns into a tesseract. Mm-hmm. And you can see that image on a computer. You can look up what would a cube look like in a fourth dimension. You can see a picture of a tesseract and what mm-hmm. it would look like, but you're still not really seeing a tesseract. You're looking at it on a 2D screen. 
we can't comprehend what a Tesseract would actually look like in front of our face because we can't see it. Right. I think that's a lot of what we're talking about here, that we just can't understand it. Well, take someone that lived, you know, three, 4,000 years ago and place them in our time. What, like, what does this world look like to them? They wouldn't be able to understand that. Yeah, like and you it, showed them a smartphone. Yeah. You showed them this room. There are, <laughs> there are lights on. Yeah. There are computers. Or an airplane. There is this thing. Right. Like, or an airplane. Or they would recognize, like, drinks in our glass. Yeah. Like, or a that's television. Have- or And you extrapolate that out, us, in that same scenario with something or some race thousands of years in the future. Is it really that much of a stretch that we can't understand what I don't takes think place sometimes? No. Look, we're pretty dumb as a society. Relatively speaking, I feel like we're pretty dumb. Well, we're not the best. You know. We could be better. We could be better. <laughs> Look, we all get annoyed when our iPhones have new Apple updates because we're like, oh, I got to learn this. We don't want to do that. Like, we just want what we know and mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, I'm very guilty of that. I don't like change. No, no. Like, I got to <laughs> learn something change. new. Like, you're changing my iPhone. I was happy with my Blackberry. To be honest, I never had a BlackBerry actually, <laughs> but they looked cool. Like you had that little, they were great. <laughs> looked important. I loved it. You know, that little ball that you scroll with. That's right. What it was. <laughs> Always worked. So Kathy's next abduction experience happened on October 3rd, 1983. And it's goes along this whole line of just this really interesting thing. Like with the three boys, um, in this concept that we've been talking about all night of what people comprehend or, or, what happens when they look at something that they don't understand or that scares them. Kathy arrived home from the grocery store that night, but she suddenly felt this urgent thirst for diet Pepsi and there was none in the house. Uh, She felt like she had to drive to seven 11 to get a drink, even though that there were other drinks in the house. Like when, when she's looking back on this, she's like, I don't know why I would leave again. I just got home, but I'm going to turn around and leave again. Yeah, going out at night to get Diet Pepsi is the most absurd thing I've heard in this story <laughs> so far because that's one of the most disgusting things I've ever tasted. Diet pop in general, I think, is grotesque. I know you're a Diet Coke fan, but I would not. Diet Coke might be the best tasting thing on the planet Earth. I would just Diet Pepsi. assume not drink anything before a diet soda in general. I, all, all I drink is Diet. Yeah. Diet Coke. No good. Diet Mountain Dew. I love Diet Coke more than I can even explain to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you enjoy it. I mean, if you're going to 7-Eleven, at least get a hot dog, though. There's a dynamite there. There's been way too much gas station talk tonight. (laughs) Yeah, by you, not by us. You brought it up first with the truckers and all that garbage. And then, of course, when you're talking about truck stop. I said I was at a truck stop. I didn't bring up any fucking food. But if you're talking about a truck stop, what else are you supposed to talk about? The only good thing at a truck stop is the gas station food. Certainly not the glory holes. Well, I put that hot dog in my glory hole. That's it's called my mouth. <laughs> and it is glorious. It's a gross misrepresentation of what a glory hole is. So when she got into the car to go get her diet Pepsi, she was having a hard time getting it to start. The only way to get it to start was to turn on the interior lights first, then start the ignition. She leaves the house at quarter to midnight and starts the 20 minute drive to the convenience store. As she's driving, she notices a low moving object in the sky. She tells herself that it's the Goodyear blimp that her friend Wilma saw earlier in the day. She keeps watching this blimp as she's driving and notices lights along the bottom, 
which she thought would be the letter board on the blimp. I read that it said ice cubes of pimp. Is that accurate or no? <sighs> yeah, it is. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> she noticed it's almost rolling instead of gliding like a blimp would. And then it was very low to the ground. When she got to 7-Eleven, Kathy goes inside and sees the cashier who she immediately feels strange about. This isn't the usual cashier, and the convenience store started to not look right either. She said all she could remember was that the store was lit up and had big windows. One minute she's inside the convenience store, the next she's outside in the parking lot with this strange man. She recognizes him for a moment as the gray smiling man. Next thing she knows, she's driving home again, but taking a route she usually doesn't take. When she got home, everyone was asleep. She checked the time, and it was about 20 to 1. At that point, she's feeling cold and tingly all over, and Kathy realized that she never bought a drink that she went for, but she doesn't feel thirsty anymore. She starts getting really nervous, um, where she feels that something else is going to happen. She's feeling very uneasy about the windows in the house, and she doesn't want to look out them. She's in her bedroom with the TV on trying to relax, and this uneasy feeling is going on to no avail. She decides to go downstairs to call her friend Sally in New York, but she's scared to walk past any windows. While she's downstairs, she noticed out of the corner of her eye a light next to the chandelier, but when she looked over, it was gone. After her call, she went back upstairs to take something to try and get some sleep. She's standing in the hallway and noticed a small ball of light in the hallway, which she tries to convince herself is a lightning. But then under hypnosis, as soon as she says, I think that's lightning. And then she goes, but why would there be lightning inside the house? It's like a simulation or something. It's very strange. It almost reminds me of like the, uh, the craziness of the dream that Tom Hanks has in the burbs. When he's walking on the steps, like the chainsaw comes through the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's standing by the fireplace and the smoke starts coming at his feet. It's very odd. So all this was um, discovered during hypnotic regression. Right. What she could remember outside was that, yeah, I wanted this Pepsi. And then I got in the car. I asked my dad if he wanted anything. He was watching TV, got back in my car. Next thing I know, I'm back at home an hour has passed and no Pepsi, no Pepsi. And it should have taken me 15 minutes to get there and back. So it's almost like they grabbed her right outside the door and kind of simulated that she went to the store and did all this during this time or led her to that spot. Yeah. Because the store, the convenience store is obviously not really the store. It's the UFO. She's yeah. just seeing it. Sure or her brain is registering it as a convenience store. It's almost like they, they're like, come see these raccoons. <laughs> come visit these raccoons and you show up and then you get home and you're like, why did I go to see those raccoons at a speedway gas station? Non-smoker Ian doesn't see those raccoons anymore. Mm -mm. Aliens would have to figure out another way to get me out of my house. My fault for that raccoon trick anymore. <laughs> you stupid aliens. They reprogram. Oh, look, we're at the weed store instead. He's yeah. like, he's like, oh, I'll oh, see you in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you sons of bitches. You got me. So she decided to go to her son Tommy's room and carry him into her bedroom and to sleep there, feeling that maybe having him next to her will kind of ease her, help her go to sleep. As she's laying next to him, she starts hearing a noise, a humming sound that Tommy seems not to hear. She's feeling cold all over and tingling all over her body. As she feels that, she then fades into sleep. 
Her next memory is of pressure in her chest as if hands were touching her chest right under her breasts. But you can't do that, Mike, underneath the breast. You don't have that move. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a thing. I'm going to have to learn that one, I think. <laughs> she then recalls the feeling of having a collar around her neck and being on her stomach. Oh, maybe you can do that. Never yeah. mind. Well, uh, <laughs> come on. Although I like to be the one with the collar on my stomach. <laughs> then the feeling of pressure in her sinuses. She remembers opening her eyes at this point and seeing the face of the gray man in an all-white room. Because that's the thing is when she's under this regression, a lot of these women, like when we were talking earlier about feeling like she was being pulled apart by a magnet and stuff, she has her eyes closed. Like in her, in her regression, she's like, I'm scared. I'm not opening my eyes. And then anytime that she does, she sees the gray, the alien, which she calls a man. And again, his eyes are smiling, but the small slit of a mouth isn't moving. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I surely hope you post this on Instagram. I want people to see Dave's fucking smile eyes. And that comforts her. He's gonna, It's going to get reported so many times. I opened my Instagram and I was violated by this man looking at me. Then out of nowhere, she feels warm all over and recalled waking up outside in her backyard in her nightgown confused as to how she ended up outside and then she went back inside to where tommy was asleep in her bed and she went to sleep and that's where we'll pick back up on part two no just no that's really scary to me this whole story is very scary i agree wait till next week man there is a part that made me very uh it scared me reading the book i was like fuck i don't like that at all i'm gonna have dreams about this tonight now and i'm not gonna like it Maybe they're dreams. Maybe they're actually. Oh, happening. my God. <laughs> he's, now he's not going to sleep. Jesus fucking Now he's Christ. not sleeping. Mm-mm-mm. Like when I saw that thing today that uh, about the, the Pentagon reports that came out and they're not all out. But as soon as I saw that bit about unplanned pregnancies or like mysterious pregnancies being linked, mm-hmm. it kind of blew my fucking mind for a second because I'm like. I've been looking into this stuff for so long and then to actually see that the government, like the defense finally is like actually acknowledging that even the idea of that yeah, is right. fucking crazy. Cause then that opens up the whole door of, okay, if they're taking that aspect of this serious, it's this, well, what are we talking about now? Yeah. If it's really real. I saw Rogan tweeted that today and said, I'm pregnant. Thanks Joe. <laughs> good, good one. Like there's this documentary on Netflix or not Netflix. I'm sorry. Uh, on Amazon, it's a newer one about alien human hybrids. You watch that and you're like, man, it's easy. It's even for me, it's easy to be like, these people are, they're making this up. Like this is so fucking crazy. Is maybe, it though? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Cause there's a, maybe re- we're the fools for just thinking they're all fools. Well, I don't think they're fools. Well, I certainly do. Yeah, you, well, maybe I'm the you fool. accuse them of drug abuse and things. Oh, one person, <laughs> and there's a lot of validity to that. We'll get into it next time we discuss that story. I find this highly credible. This one alone, I, yeah, I'm not. I wasn't giving my take just on this the specific one. Oh, which po- is apologies. In general, when I hear like, "Oh, alien, I was abducted," and I'm like, "All right, hillbilly." Well, you bullet. <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you at Talladega next weekend. <laughs> you believe the fire in the sky story? I absolutely do. It's no different than this. Um, there's a lot more to this one, which makes it 
a little more difficult to break down. It's a I don't have an opinion on this one yet. Okay. Well, wait till next week when you're, when we're done, but it's like a lifelong, once you're yeah. a subject of us, you're always going to be a subject of us and we'll kind of experiment and visit you whenever we feel like it, which is different than what we've covered in the past. Right? Like we had not really touched on one like this. Yeah. We've all, the ones we've done so far are one-offs. And I feel like the one-offs, you know, it's very easy to like, it's hit or miss. Like, yeah. you know, Fire in the sky. Yeah, we all believe that. Golf breeze. Get the fuck out of here. Like, you know. Betty and Dreesen turned into a saga, right? Because there was one of her memories was that there was like a, a little needle put up in her nose. Right. And it pulled out a little ball. Kathy said that the ball was being put up into her nose. Betty and Dreesen talked about it being pulled out, but she never remembered anything going in. So then hers turns into this whole saga of that she was abducted before. But then she also got married to a big UFO guy that was probably putting that shit in her head. Not the ball, the information. Yeah. To tell the story. The old or the new information. I, th- I believe her initial account. But um, that's the other weird thing, too. Like, maybe she was telling the and Now we're talking about Betty and Dreesen telling the truth. But then she got preyed upon by this guy who was a big believer. Like, oh, OK, like sh- this girl's been abducted. Yeah. Right. I'm going to go be with her. And then he starts putting more in her head. And then it discounts her whole story because now she's sure. filled, with, filled with tomfoolery. Well, and we talked about the possibility that this is maybe more widespread. And there's only a select few that kind of end up remembering this stuff. So maybe those stories like the hills or the fire in the sky stories, when they remember it, they're kind of out of the program in the, you know, the visitor, the abduction, yeah. you know, like they're off the list now. Like you remember this and we're not going to visit you anymore. And maybe this lady, Kathy, didn't remember it until later with this hypnotic regression testing. And so she had all maybe these experiences was, in her past yeah, up she, until the time she actually remember. You know what I mean? Maybe she was an easier target for like that amnesia whatever medicine yeah. maybe they were giving her she lasted longer with not remembering things yeah like maybe the remembering part is what knocks you out of the program so all the people we don't hear about are maybe lifelong customers and they don't remember and that's kind of how they want things that's an interesting take and i, I think uh, that I think that's gonna help you sleep tonight though <laughs> no it's certainly you might not. already be a member i love I, yeah right and i think that gives some wait to travis walton's theory about why he was abducted with the fire in the sky stuff that he wasn't supposed to be abducted they saw the ufo in the woods floating hovering he's like oh let me go look at this yeah and everyone's like hey fucko yeah right and he went right underneath of it so his theory after all these years was that he got hurt that something you know the propulsion system or something hurt him Mm -hmm. and they picked him up and healed him back and then just dumped him off i mean yeah that's they're like, oh, we didn't mean to do that. Yeah. You weren't even supposed to be a part of any of this. And that, that makes complete sense. I don't know. This is the first one. Everything else has been one-offs. This is the first one that is really that true abduction thing where people seem to be like this lifelong, it, it, like a breeding process almost is yeah. what a lot of it is. What a lot of it sounds like we're going to talk about next week. There's alien human hybrids. There's babies. There's abductions that Kathy has where she's just told to hold these babies Mm. because these beings don't understand love like that. They don't understand nurturing. So they just pick people back up like, yeah, we just need you to hold the baby, like give them that human interaction. Oh boy. 
it gets pretty wild. It's a whole nother thing, man. Yeah. It's quite a story. It is. I'm it's, intrigued. It's like the most in-depth uh, abduction we're going to get into. It's a lot to process and to think about. Just ponder it. Um, I still 100% maintain, and this is coming from me, not Ian, that uh, you can believe that ghosts are not real, but aliens <laughs> are. I 100% stand by that. You can believe anything you want, buddy. That's right. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> All right, some shout-outs to some new patrons. Thank you very much to Penny Tift, Daniel Cuss, Melanie Fagan, Nick Sid Muller, Adrian, Dawson, Jennifer Rose, Tanya from Down Under, Dylan Anarson Van Hoosier, Jay Salazzle, Tristan Machado, Machado, Angie Dunlap, Ken Coping, Jenny Clark, Stacy Lucanen, Lucan, Luca, oh, I butchered that one. Sorry, Stacy. Samantha Searcy, Zach Tinker, Chippy, Chris Larson, Stussy Coke, Kasia, Liz Liz, Emily Dennison, Mal, Sarah Isaacson, Enby, Patrick Malkerns, Agnes, Kaylee, Richard Swiss, a.k.a. Dick Cheese. <laughs> Richard Swiss. Dick Cheese. Sheebs, Rhett Fanter, Tori Dew. Freya is going through a separation, and Necronomapod is the only thing that makes her laugh at the moment, so thank you. Aw, yeah, sorry to hear that. that. Yeah. You want Mike to come over and uh, bang you out for a couple hours? <laughs> i make you feel better. I only do cut calls, pal. Oh. She's single. That's true. I only want it if it's someone else's. Understood. (laughs) Mary, Dave, fuck Ian, kill Mike. Okay. Well, thanks for the money. I'm going to use it for a night with your mom and she'll owe me change. (laughs) Kate, Caitlin, Westland claims, (laughs) Matt power, faith, Meredith, Albert. Thank you all very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Appreciate you all listening. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I won for Rip Jade zero three zero nine Chase DC ninety three Tyler living in Brooklyn. This is the one that I had issue with in this in this review. We were Uh-oh. getting like destroyed for our candy bar choices. Uh, and <laughs> what fuck's that supposed to mean? Well, and we like delicious candy bars. Well, Tyler was offended that Reese's were not in anyone's top three. And I would just like to say, I wanted it to be in my top three. I was just told that I could not have it because it's not a candy bar. Who told you that? Yeah. This guy. He told you Reese's wasn't a candy bar. Yeah. He said that that wasn't part of the, Did we talk about that off air. Like no, it we, was on air. Cause it was a circle and not a bar. Yeah. Something like that. Fucking rude. But that would have been my I mean, top. It makes sense. It's not a candy bar. See, <laughs> he's denying you again now. Part two. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're trash. I always give those away. And if I can't find anyone, I literally throw them. What's away. wrong with a Reese's? That it's disgusting. Or Reese, Reese's. Reese's. We always say Reese's and people, people get angry about it. It's Reese's. It's Reese's pieces. <laughs> we always say well, Reese's pieces and people are like, but are you guys fucking idiots? So it's a Reese's peanut butter cup. Reese's. Cause he's talking about that. Not yeah. the, the pieces. Yeah, Reese's. It's the same company. I'm just saying yeah. we've been in the past told we're imbeciles for saying Reese's pieces. 
I'll fucking say Reese's Pieces if I want. <laughs> Look, I'm going to be honest. I think I've always thought it was Reese's. <laughs> Reese's. It's Reese's. Yeah, that sounds Reese's. obnoxious. Not Reese's. Okay. We always say Reese's. I do. I have a couple blind spots. I admit it. Yeah. Reese's yeah. Pieces sounds better, right? Yeah. So that's what it is. So they're, they're trying to say that it's a rhyme, Reese's Pieces. Like that's the whole gimmick. Oh, I don't know. Reese's and we said Reese's but they're saying it's supposed to be like Reese's pieces right. like it all rhymes like it's right. a thing yeah, Reese's. get the fuck out of here with that that's so stupid uh, well, uh, anyway. go back to Texas jabronis <laughs> Tyler thank you uh, <laughs> next one they look like they hit their keyboard uh, Dave's right Dave's was right it five stars at least yeah it was five stars oh, thanks Dave's right not <laughs> hell yeah brother <laughs> and I think I said this one last week but and Jess Black too. What about Samantha loves Dave? I think you discussed her yeah, last she's week. On Dave. Here somewhere. Yeah, I'm gonna keep that going every week. <laughs> her, this will, this will be the third week. Samantha <laughs> loves Dave. <laughs> she has a shout out every week now for life. <laughs> she has a great name. <laughs> Dave, what do you got? I don't think I have anything. I did have something I completely just forgot about it. You need a minute? You want to go take a piss break? Hmm. Get something, something good, something juicy. Something as juicy as a Reese's Pieces? <laughs> no, I guess I don't have anything. I would just like the hat, hats off to that patron, Mary Dave Kill Mike. Good taste. Yeah. Well, don't forget fuck Ian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That too. Their mom was okay. <laughs> she still owes me my change. <laughs> we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod. Amazon.com, search Necronomapod for all of our latest merch. Necronomapod.com for our stickers. And Patreon.com, search Necronomapod if you wish to subscribe to all the bonus content. We did drop earlier this week that Scott Hall free bonus show. That was just something fun we were doing. If you are a patron, you still are getting your three full bonus shows this month. I think we already dropped one. Uh, you got two more coming to you. That was not uh we didn't give away one of your bonus shows. So you still got something else coming to you. So hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the Scott Hall show. Hope you guys enjoyed this one and part two next week on this. All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>